Everyone, please, a moment of silence for Stan the Man Lee. Okay, true believers, welcome to the latest episode of Ready, <laughs> Set, Review. Uh, we're excited to be here again with you guys today. Uh, we got a great show for you. We've got a, a couple of really important things that we want to talk about. And obviously, uh, the, the most pressing issue that we want to discuss is uh, the passing of the man, the myth, the legend himself, uh, Stan the Man Lee. Yeah, man, it was uh, something I think we all saw coming. I mean, the dude was 95, like talk about living a full life. Um, so we want to do a little tribute today, talk a little bit about his life, what he contributed to the genre, have essentially created, in my opinion, the what we know as comic books today. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah. And, and more than just comic books, I, I think that he created the um, he he created the ability to be cool uh, with with comic books. He 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 gave us the. Uh, the, the ability to believe in comic books and to take it away from just being a, a kid's thing to actually being something that adults and um, women, children, teenagers, everyone can all enjoy all, all wrapped in one. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, because the, the thing that the one thing that always comes to mind when you think of Stan Lee and Marvel Comics and the one thing that he did that set him apart uh, was gave the characters, the superhero characters, the villains, he, he made them all relatable. He gave them emotions. He gave them real life problems. <laughs> like there was not, you know, it wasn't, it was no longer just Superman and Wonder Woman and all these like godlike characters. These are like people with real issues despite their abilities. And that's one of the things that really sort of in my opinion, turn the tide as far as comic books is going. Because everything was very, you know, not hokey, but it was a little, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek and a lot of just everything was – didn't feel real. You know, it, superheroes didn't um, – they, they didn't live in Manhattan. They didn't live in California or Florida. They lived in made-up cities that we've never heard of. You know, yeah, that was a big exactly. deal. Yeah, 100%. And, and, you know, not only that, but, I mean, when he started, you know, in the, the 40s and the 50s, you know, obviously everything was based around the war effort at that time, you know, with Captain yeah. America punching, you know, Hitler and uh, even the invaders with Namor and the Human Torch yep. and uh, the rest of the team with Bucky and then even Bucky dying. You know, it, it was it was these, you know, kind of really over the top superhero characters. And I think that one of the coolest things, uh, more to your point of like making it a real story, is that Stan Lee took the struggle that the that the country was going through at the time with civil rights and yeah. he turned it into an incredible story and it did one of two things a it gave him an opportunity to stop having to create backstories for superheroes and come up with these over the top reasons why these characters so had these powers um, and then he was able to take such an important and pressing issue like civil rights and turn it into a storyline. And that is where we get the X-Men from. Yeah. And, that, and that's what, and the X-Men have been using that storyline in one shape or another for since the sixties. And it works every single time. It's still relatable. And I, the other thing I love too, is that it was, I think a brilliant move too, is he was again, a, a product of the times he was playing on people's fear of nuclear war at the time uh -huh. and having Every superhero, every major superhero that he helped create in the 60s was some product, one way or another, of radiation. Yeah, <laughs> which right. Was, which is so fucking brilliant. Yeah, radiation. I mean, the Incredible Hulk and, I mean, even the Super Soldier Serum. You yeah, know, exactly. It's still like, you know. Exactly. It's, it's, essentially, it's, um, you know. Uh, 
It's it's radiation in a vial. And another so. another fun fact for those of you that don't know, everybody likes to think that everybody likes to say that Stanley is the founder of Marvel Comics, and that's partially true. But Marvel Comics, unlike DC, which has been DC for a very very long time, Marvel didn't actually start operating as Marvel until like the '60s. Before then, it was Timely Comics. Actually, a number of different things. Timely is probably the most. Uh, uh, the one that people have heard of the most, and it was uh, oh god, was it Mar- Marv Goodman, something Goodman, no, something Go- Martin Goodman, Martin, Martin Goodman, Goodman, Martin Goodman was the guy actually that had the he was the owner of the company. Stan Lee wasn't the owner of the company, so right. they worked together, and then it eventually you know grew into what we know and love today as you know because someone needed to publish the comics, obviously. But Stan Lee was a major driving creative force, and obviously him and Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. John Buscema, a lot of those guys, they like the original, the OG, as the kids say, um, <laughs> fucking guys. And they created all of the, together, they created all of the stories that we all know and love from the 60s and 70s. Yeah, you They're know, it. and it's and it's funny, even though he wasn't, you know, he's he's known as being sort of like the the, the father of, mother, of uh, Marvel Comics and of the superhero story. Um, he, he was more like a figurehead. Exactly. He was, he was more like the figurehead. He's the, um, and I don't know if this is an exact, uh, an exact match, but, uh, he's like the Tommy Lee. Well, yeah. Uh, Cause like Tommy Lee in, in Motley Crue was, was like, everyone well, knew who he was. Everyone knew who he was. Yeah. Right. And he was like the guy that you knew was yeah. in Motley Crue. And he didn't but, write a single song. <laughs> right. But Vince Neil was the, the front man. He was the yep. lead singer, you know, and he's the one that writes all the music. You know, no, it's, it, uh, it, incorrect. Nikki Six writes all the music, but that's okay. well, well. <laughs> Vince Neil just sings it. But you're close. No, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. But that's actually an interesting point when it comes to Stan Lee because he. Another thing that I think he deserves credit for is tapping into what. Because again, you need to remember obviously that comics were. This was a new industry. You can equate the comic book industry in the 60s and 70s to what we equate startups to today. It was uncharted territory. Oh, yeah. Because prior to that, the comic book industry was nothing but with the exception of your Superman, your Wonder Woman, and your Flash, and your Batman. Everything was monster uh, comic books and old pulp comics and spies and, and Tales detectives. From the Tales from yeah. the Crypt, all that shit. Yep. And what Stan Lee did was he not only changed the way that the comics were written, he changed the way that the people, that the fans interacted with it. Because he was smart enough to see that this was a thing, that there were fans. So he started the, the Marvel mailbag where people wrote in their thing. Uh-huh. Which if you go back actually and read um, a lot of the old uh, archive stuff, there are countless people that in the 70s in the 60s and 70s and 80s wrote into the Marvel mailbag that are now working for Marvel either as writers or artists or colorists or something along those lines so he knew how to interact with the fans and he knew that to be what he wanted the company to be there needed to be like a face to that and he became he was smart enough to see that he became willingly of course the face of Marvel yeah, you know, and you really, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head there. And and really, I think that that is one of the most brilliant things about Marvel is that they recognize that their comic book brand needed to have that figurehead and needed to have a face for it. So he became that face for it, right? Yep. So, so and because he was, he's sort of that, um, almost like American dream, right? Where right, he, yeah. He starts off as a writer, right? And an artist, right? And then he, he becomes a an assistant editor, right? And then he becomes the editor-in-chief. 
editor-in-chief and then finally the publisher for Marvel Comics. And, you know, and then he ends up, you know, being the guy that runs everything, you know, him and Jack Kirby, you know, and and good on Marvel. I think it, it is a testament to, you know, how great their comic book line is. And it's one of the reasons why they're so powerful right now in in the mainstream is because they did have that figurehead and because it was cool to like Stan Lee. Yeah. And he was he was your real life superhero, right? That's why it's so cool to see all of his cameos in all of the different movies. And that's what and that's one of the things to your earlier point, what helped people like us, like the the nerds, to fucking come out and be like own it. Like, you know, Stan Lee's yeah. like loud and proud. It's fucking cool to like comic books and to like these characters and like be into these stories. And like Stan Lee made you feel like it was a fucking cool thing to do. So like good for him. I really fucking appreciate it. Yeah, and I mean, with Stanley becoming mainstream, I mean, one of the the coolest things that I remember from when I was a kid was watching the movie Mallrats. Now, not only being yes. here from New Jersey, and and not only being from New Jersey, but literally being from the town that not only Mallrats, but uh, a lot of Dogma, which well, actually, only one scene from Dogma was shot here in yeah. New Jersey. Clerks, but, but Clerks and Chasing Amy yep. was all shot here and all based around you know our hometown. You know, and and getting a chance to see Mallrats and the cameo appearance that Stan Lee had there when he's talking to to Jason Lee's character Brody and you know just kind of talking to him <laughs> and, and watching Brody like fanboy out and and just kind of talk to Stan Lee who's like his hero and his icon you know and asking him all these like even though they're crazy weird over the top questions like you know talking about the thing's penis or you know <laughs> or, or like can Mr. Fantastic stretch every part of his body you know <laughs> but it was cool because you got to see Stan Lee in a different light and he really again he took something that was was really something that was starting to become a stronger subculture and really made it more it made really it mainstream yeah, yeah it really made it mainstream and so so all the things that stanley have done i want to just touch on something that i read this week and by that by touch on i mean i want to completely fucking dismantle it because it really really burned me up because whether whatever your opinion of Stanley is, and we're going to get into some of the criticism of Stanley in a moment here. Yeah. Uh, there's an, an opinion piece, and I want to stress the fact that it's an opinion piece that I read on NBC News the other day. Um, it's called uh, Stanley Leaves Behind a Complicated Legacy. And that's fair. He does. And uh, as we like to say here at Ready Set Review, everyone is entitled to your opinion. Even if your opinion is fucking wrong. Yeah, you know, and, um, um, you know, this is an article that was written by Annie Bundle, um, and it, it came out, you know, on uh, November 13th of this of, uh, of this year, obviously, right after uh, Stanley had passed away. Um, Which, just real quick, is the first thing that bothered me about it. It came out the day, like, the, the, the dude's body was still warm. And this article came out like just a little. Just give it a minute. I mean, man. Like, I, I, and if you read the article on NBC, I mean, it's it is an opinion piece. It is a hot take piece. And and you know what? Uh, again, you know, I, I think that it was well written, um, which is obviously why we wanted to talk about it because it definitely invoked emotions, which is a, a hot take is supposed yep. to. You want to take a, a, a controversial stance on, um, you know, on a topic. Um, but at the same time, I, I just I, I feel like this was an article that was almost written about 
about Stan Lee, but not by a comic book fan. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I haven't read much of uh, of any bundles uh, pieces. I've I've never read it, so you know, I I, I really I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, it's written by a fan, possibly, but someone that just poorly researches and defends their points, which is what irritates me. Again, your opinion is your yeah, opinion, but I if you're going to attempt to defend your opinion, at least be correct about things. And again, <laughs> there is some fair criticism in here. So let's no, take... why would we bother about being correct? Exactly. Well, we let's just state our opinion. So let, let's take the biggest piece of criticism, and this is this is the the fairest piece of cri- fairest most fair whatever the fairest piece of criticism in this article because a lot of people have said this for a very long time a lot of it is actually very factually factually accurate there's just a few pieces of this particular article that really are incorrect so yeah. and it's about how stanley um took credit or took too much credit or overtook the credit however you want to state it for the creation of a lot of and the creation and the writing of a lot of early early characters so mm-hmm. let's get a few facts out of the way facts for the first Several issue run of some of the most classic Marvel comics, your Iron Mans, your Thors, your Avengers, your Spider-Man, Stan Lee, Fantastic Four, Stan Lee wrote every single word of those comics, right? Which Stan Lee did not do, which he has admitted to several times and it's recorded on interview, is that he took – he did not take all the credit, did not attempt to take all the credit for the actual – creation of the character so the way they looked the way they the way, the way they the way they felt the way they came off the page some of the specific scenes so the big misconception yep. and it's just like screenwriting a big misconception with the way comics are written is that people think that the person writing the comic is the one explaining to the artist how to draw the panels and that's right. not true it's sometimes right. true right. but the most classic the most common way comics are made is you have the writer that writes the script just like a screenwriter would in a movie and they turn it over to the artist or in the in the case of movie a director and they impart their vision on it it's all a collaborative effort and at no point in time did stan lee take all of the credit for doing that and this article says that stan lee basically did not give any credit to guys like jack kirby and steve dicko and that's just incorrect yeah and and stan lee always gave credit where credit was due i think it's i think it's because stan lee became that face and that figurehead um, for the company that it was the fans that put him in that light. Exactly. I, I don't think it was Stan Lee who did it himself. And did, and did Stan Lee create the Marvel method as a yeah. way of giving himself more credit? Maybe. Of course. But you know what else is correct, though? No other comic company had it. There was no such thing as the DC method. Yeah. The Marvel method gave everybody equal billing on things, and that may or may not have been Stan Lee's way of just making sure his name was on it. But it gave the artist and everybody else involved in the project – the credit that the credit was due. This is not a case of Bob Kane and Bill Finger, where Bob mm-hmm. Kane, for literally 65 years, up until the day he died, refused to acknowledge the fact that anybody else helped him create Batman, and that has now since been proven factually inaccurate. Bill Finger, 100%, was the co-creator of Batman. Right, or, or like Joel Sugar and Jason Siegel. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and at, at no point in time did Stan Lee ever try to... Um, remove anybody's name from from the way these things were done this is what this is what um he did so so that really burned me up a little bit because it was just incorrect the other thing that got me really going was i forget exactly what the the comment was i probably should read you an exact quote but something along the lines i talked that the author talked about how there has not been a major marvel movie led by a female and her reasoning for that was because marvel does not have any major female characters and superheroes and or villains mm-hmm. and so 
Okay, let's just talk about how fucking stupid that is right now. Yeah, so, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, what he goes into to talk about how Marvel doesn't have a female superhero character equivalent to Wonder Woman in <laughs> uh, in DC Comics, right? And, and that's just, I mean, that's just an absolute fallacy, right? Oh, that burns so me from, off. So from a hero perspective, right, you know, and again, most of... Uh, the Marvel Universe for a while was uh, the the popular characters were the X Men, right? And yep. the X Men took Marvel from just being these you know fantasy over the top characters to actually being real life. And most of the coolest X Men characters are women, right? And even the villain stories that they had, they would write stories with women as the as the antagonist yeah. right and it was great and most and a lot of the coolest marvel stories are driven by a female antagonist yep. i mean even literally death death itself is a woman is a female character the entire point behind thanos uh, killing half of the entire universe is because he's trying to impress death and your and your and your politically correct warrior, they will say, well, "Why does he gotta impress a woman? What a sort of patriarchal bullshit!" Like, go fuck yourself. I'm so, sorry, he's trying to yeah. impress. Right. Oh, like, God, God forbid, we still have know? romance. And the, anyway, yeah, but the, and the other thing that irritated me too, like, so so if you actually read this article too, even if she's the, dead, <laughs> even if she's literally dead, <laughs> even if she is literally dead, you should still always try and impress your significant other. And if you, and if you read this article too, the way that the comment is written about the fact that there. There is no equivalent to Wonder Woman and no major female characters in the Marvel Universe. It's just just dripping with passive, aggressive political commentary that just drives me insane. And what does it say about DC? This is not the first time I've heard this comment, by the way. What does it say about DC that the only time people want to make this comment, they relate, they, they talk about Wonder Woman, as if Wonder Woman is the only powerful, impactful female character in DC. So like it's just fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, like, please shut up. And and also, Wonder Woman, just to remind everybody, if you want to dig up the past here, Wonder Woman, her original weakness when she was created in the 40s by a man, mind you, remember what her original weakness was? Her weakness was being tied up by a man. <laughs> Any man. Not even, like, a super strong man. Just a guy. Man, so, yeah, you weaknesses back fucking in the, way to go, man. In the golden age of comic the books. The fucking golden whether age. Whether it was uh, the color yellow or oh, wood God. for a Green Lantern. <laughs> so painfully stupid. Yeah. And then another comment in the article that really burned me up was she basically called Stan Lee a sexual deviant oh, yeah. because he had the idea yeah. for the stripperella show in the 90s like that's just that's i there i forget what the the logical fallacy is to describe that but that's the artist pinpointing one specific isolated moment strong which was an artistic argument. yes it was an artistic idea that stanley had Mm-hmm. That happened to be about a stripper superhero. Yeah, and 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 you're gonna take that and try to tell me that he's some sort of weird sexual person or doesn't respect women because he had that idea. Like, shut the fuck up. And I that's think, the only time that ever happened. And I think it was more based on on the time that the comic was written, right? Because stripper nineties, yeah, nineties <laughs> where Howard Stern, right, and the shock jocks, right, were were all the rage, right? Yeah, and and we had this this kind of turning of culture in our country where you know things like Girls Gone Wild and all of these things yeah. that are becoming more mainstream and becoming more recognized. You have the Pam yeah. and Tommy Lee video. Did you which, see the Invisible Woman's uniform in the 90s? Yeah, I know. Come on. She's literally <laughs> wearing like basically a bikini. Yeah, right? exactly. Which, I mean, all of the 90s outfits are ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous. But 
Um, you know, I think it was more to to a point of that they were looking to change the genre from being just a bubbly, kid-friendly, you know, kind of storylines and being a lot more edgy. And, you know, that was just a demographic that they were going after. Yeah, exactly. You know, they were going after that 18 to 35-year-old male, you know, and you who know what was it, their sort of bread and butter of the comic book buyer at that time and and who was spending the most money on, on comic books. And they wanted yeah. to try and capture that audience. And you know what it is too, and it's like you can't like if we're if we're gonna get to the point and like just cue my minor political rant for a second, if we're gonna get to the point we don't talk politics where it's it's, it's skirting around the edge, but if we're gonna get to the <laughs> point where we are going to judge a person's character based on their artistic endeavors, then we are one hundred percent fucked as far as art and culture and literature are concerned because you literally can't do that. You can't say. You, you can't say that because Stan Lee wrote Stripperella and it was his idea to have Stripperella be a thing that he is therefore like eight like eight one plus one does not equal two in this situation. You know and, what I mean? And you can't like, you can't criticize him using today's standards in, a, in an in an era long past. Exactly. Right. And and okay, let's be honest. Stripperella did wasn't a good comic. Oh no, it was terrible. It was, it was terrible. awful. And I think they made a and cartoon. show. Did they made show. a cartoon about it. Was, it? No, it was a live action show with Pam Anderson. It was it was terrible. Right. It was a live action. I don't remember. I think it, it was animated. Yeah, it was it was, it was awful. It was yeah. so bad. Yeah, but it was. But it was very nineties. Right. But same almost. The same, you know, kind of uh, animation as the Todd McFarlane Spawn that was yeah. on HBO at the time. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Right? Which, again, more edgy, and, and they were trying to get that comic. But and look, you can't even say that Pam Anderson that was the only one that she ever did because she was in Barbed Wire thank as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was. And that was stupid. just that was just she was in Baywatch. She was yeah. in, you know, and then all of a sudden the Pam and Tommy Lee yeah. video comes out, and it's the first, you know, widely released, you know, private home, exactly, you know, intimate tape, you know, sex tape that gets released, and yeah. and so they decided to try and capitalize on something that was hot. In that subculture, right? In that that demographic, right? And and they tried to capitalize on it. And it has its fans. It's a cult movie. It has its fans, right? But or and, show, and whatever. At the end of the day, it failed. It yeah. failed. It wasn't a good comic exactly. book. It wasn't a good cartoon. It wasn't a good show. It didn't do well at all. Yeah. And and you know. So. so if you so so the the point of all this is is that just if you're gonna write something like that. Whether it's an opinion, because I, I hate how, you know, me as a former journalism major, Anthony, I get really irritated when I see poor journalism. If you're going to write an opinion piece, an opinion piece does not mean that you can just say whatever the fuck you want and not back it up factually one way or another. When you're reporting the well. news, when you're reporting, no, it shouldn't, it shouldn't. When you're, when you're reporting the news. Kind of what an opinion piece is. No, no, when you're, when that, that's just poor journalism. When you're reporting the news, your job is to report fact. When you're providing an opinion, an opinion piece, your job is to provide your opinion based on fact. So if you're going to give me stuff that is not fact, like this, okay, I'm done. Fuck this person. Fuck her stupid article. If you want to read a le- <laughs> if you want to read a legitimate article that touches on these points in a in a in a truly 
meaningful and and well written well researched way there are similar articles on variety on the daily beast on the hollywood reporter that are written by people with actual talent so go read those if you want to really understand what stanley was and the criticisms of his life and what are i consider to be fair criticisms if you just want to read something that shits all over somebody for no fucking reason read that article yeah and especially when i mean it, you know she made comments about uh you know the latter the latter years of oh, his life God. the last 10 years of his life uh, I'm sorry. Between the ages of 85 to 95, you know, the, you know, yeah, you know, come on. Come yeah, she, she talked about you she know, talked about the lawsuit yeah. where they the the guy said that the Stan and his wife were verbally abusive to him. Yeah. It was a lawsuit that was filed. Nothing ever became of it, and she tries to use that as an example of saying, "Oh, Stanley, we're not a good person." Like, no, yeah. it's just it happened. It, it just happened. It, yeah. it, no reflection of his and, character. And I think it's a horrible thing to try and take a stab and try and discredit someone's entire life's work and entire credibility based on the last 10 geriatric years of his life. Yeah. You know, because he was no just, way actively you know, involved with anything look, of the look, business. Was Stan Lee, was Stan Lee comic book Jesus? Was he a saint? No, absolutely not. Right? Nobody out there is. But at the end of the day, Stan Lee was the figurehead and and he made us believe that superheroes could exist and that and that we ourselves could believe in the impossible. Excelsior! Stay tuned, true believers. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else is happening in the fucking movie and TV and comic book world? Today? Lots of lots of good stuff is coming out there. You know, there's a lot of cool things and a lot of uh, things that we thought were gonna be cool and maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so, there is something that is. It was a it was a rumor, and it quickly became fact. I don't know how I feel about this. AMC is developing a Breaking Bad movie, um, which is supposed to be a sequel movie, following what happens to Jesse Pinkman after the end of uh, the Breaking Bad TV series. And I, I I think it's a fucking stupid idea. I, I could not be uh, more opposed to your opinion. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I am a huge fan of Better Call Saul. I think that what they've done with Better Call Saul is, is arguably – as good, if not better, than Breaking Bad. Like, it is so good, and Bob Odenkirk is just an incredible actor, and the way that they tie in elements and how it is all leading up to the events of Breaking Bad, I want to see. And then in, in every single first episode of each season, they have this black and white um, sort of... Uh, uh, you know, kind of time frame or, or scenes that they do that are the future. It's what happens to Saul Goodman after the the incidents in Breaking Bad, right? And it, it's kind of leading up to, to both of those things. And if we get the movie, which is where Saul Goodman is, you know, where those black and white scenes are leading into it, and it's, you know, kind of after that, I really think it could be cool. So I completely agree with your take on Better Call Saul, but let me ask you this. Is Saul Goodman... A better, more interesting character than Jesse Pinkman. Because I say, I mean, I, I, I say one hundred percent yes. Oh yeah, and that's the reason why I, I, I feel like I'm probably in the minority here. But up until like the first three seasons of Breaking Bad. Jesse Pinkman's character just made me want to fucking claw my eyeballs out. I don't care how good the show was. It, I fucking hated his character. And again, not to say that they can't make a good sequel, but just the idea of making a sequel that focuses on him 
just I I fucking hate that idea. I think it's I just, so stupid. I, I, I think that I, I think that his character was one of the ones with the most depth, though, and and I think that he went through the most character development and the most character change. Okay, that's um, fair. You know, that's and, fair. And the Jesse Pinkman character, right? Like where he starts off as this like you know kind of idiot drug dealer, you know, kind of so annoying, head, so, you know, so annoying, so annoying you know, especially the first. <laughs> but it was great, you know. Yeah, science, bitch. You know. Like, <laughs> You know, come on, like it's it's hilarious, and like, but like watching him go through everything that he had to go through, and the constant torture and torment, you know, especially in the last season where he's literally captured and he's forced to do nothing but cook, you know, for the the motorcycle gang, you know, it's it it just you know it really you know, and then have him escape at the end. You know what I think it is? I think because I think because like I got along with most people in high school. Anybody in high school that I did not like. They were Jesse Pinkman, so I think that's why I'm opposed to this movie. Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> fucking just a bunch of Jesse Pinkmans running around the high school, like <laughs> fucking not all meth heads, but just yeah. like the way that they acted and talked. But okay, yeah. so all right, so like I said, I'm, I'm going to give it a chance hey, because Vince Gilligan, the creator, he, the primary creator correct, of Breaking Bad, he is helming this, so yes. that gives me hope, yeah. but not a lot of hope. But you know yeah. what's not going to be good as far as sequels are concerned? And this is, I think, more of a rumor, I think, than a news. But there's a Gladiator sequel. Like, what yeah. the fuck? And it's not going to be directed by Ridley Scott? No, it is. Oh, that's, is it? That, that's part of the problem. It's going to be directed by Ridley Scott. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but both uh, Marcus Decimus Beridius and Commodus die at the end of Gladiator. A, really impressive for using all three names on uh, Russell Crowe's character. Thank you. And you're 100% correct. They both fucking die at the end of the movie. That's what makes the ending so impactful. So let's just talk. What are they – where are they going to go with the sequel here? A lot of the rumors are that it's going to be the, the um, his his sister's kid or whatever. Yeah. I, I forget his name. And he's going to grow up to be a gladiator. So let's talk about how little fucking sense this makes because – in what world, in, in that time period, is somebody of royal descent, which this kid is, why is he going to learn how to fight? When you're in royalty, and, you don't learn how to do that. And then how is he going to become a gladiator? Right. Oh, wait, let me guess. Right. Someone's going to seize power and kill his family and force him into exile, and then he's going to become a gladiator. Oh, wait, that sounds really familiar. Where have we watched that before? Oh, right, the first fucking gladiator Literally movie. Literally the first movie. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? What else could yeah, they do? I mean, what else I could they do? I don't know. And I just I just don't see any way that it could it could be any good. It's it going to be a force me, ghost. It, it reminds me of both um, the sequel to 300 as well as the sequel to Sin City. Yep. Right? And if you've seen either of those, they are absolute garbage. Yep. I mean, both of them are garbage. And and yeah. the sequel to Sin City, and it was being worked on for so long, and I was really excited for A Dame to Kill so For. bad. You know, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, I, I really uh, am a big fan. And also but... the sequel to Independence Day. Oh, was, yeah. Was like, was like, oh. We thought we won. We were wrong. Like you, yeah. Oh, another alien invasion. You know, like, and it's uh, and it's so bad, right? Like you're you're trying to take these stories that have established audiences right now that they can bring in, right? And I think that it's just a, a really bad idea because I think that that's where you're getting a lot of garbage. Um, it's a and, terrible idea. And as a uh, as a uh, uh, kind of a segue, uh, an example, Creed two. 
Creed 2 has not, you know, Creed 2 has is, is started coming to get reviews now, and yeah. the reviews are not good. Neither is the new Harry Potter uh, Harry Potter oh, uh, prequel. So, the, the, whatever it is. Yeah, the know. Fantastic Beast sequel, yeah, which is sequel, also a prequel yeah. to everything else, which gets a little confusing. I but yeah, no, Creed, I, For those of you out there who are Harry Potter fans, good on you. Yeah. Um, I can't stand it. There I'm are, um, Harry Potter fan. There are, there, there are two camps right now in the Creed 2 review, um, and they are, and, and first of all, let's just remind everybody out here. Don't fucking listen to critics. Go see the movie and Definitely. form your own opinion. Yeah, please but, form your own opinion. Please go out, support your local movie theaters, yeah. support your local businesses, and and go out and definitely check out the uh, the film itself because uh, you know the American film culture is something we don't want to go away. Yeah, think for yourself. Um, yeah, so 100%. the the two, the two camps that the reviews are going to fall into are um, I liked it because of the nostalgia and. I hated it because of the nostalgia. Because if you think about the way they're – and again, I haven't read any plot synopsises. I obviously haven't seen the movie because it's not out yet. But just based on what I've seen in the trailer and based on what we've both read here, it seems pretty clear that it's going to be a – like a very much like the Force Awakens was like a, just a rehashing of Rocky Four, where you've got the um, the the evil Russian aggressor character, and of course it's Ivan Drago's son who killed Apollo Creed's father. I'm sorry, who killed Adonis Creed's father, Apollo, famously in Rocky Four. And Rocky Four was fucking great. Right. And and you're probably gonna have a scene where so it's like he so gets his like like you know um. It's probably going to be – I'm, I'm going to call the whole movie for you right now. So we know from the trailer that he's um, – that Adonis Creed is uh, either married, maybe not, but he's with his girl, Tessa Thompson, from the first movie, and she's yep. pregnant. You know that from the trailer. Yep. You know that um, uh, the uh, Ivan Drago's son, I'm forgetting his name, he's challenging him to a fight. I'm going to tell you exactly how this movie is going to go. He's going to challenge him to a fight. There's going to be two fights in the movie. He's going to fight him once, and he's going to get his ass beat. And he's going to fight him again in a rematch, probably in Russia, just to evoke memories of of Rocky IV. And he's going to win in the finale in Russia, most likely. And there's probably also going to be a training scene in Russia where he's in the snow carrying logs just like Rocky IV. I'm just like – and again, I don't think that that's going to make the movie bad. I think that what critics, though, that are saying it's that it, the critics that are taking away from it, they're going to point to all these things and say it's just like a, a rehashing, a shot for shot remake of Rocky Four, which I think it's going to be. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be so much of a rehash of, uh, of Rocky Four. I mean, it's, it's definitely the same kind of uh, element. Um, uh, it's just it's, it's very frustrating because Creed came out and it was so good. Right, so good. It was it was light years uh, better than uh, Rocky Balboa, even though I loved Rocky Balboa. Agreed. Um, but it was light years ahead. It was an original story. It was it was a great story, um, you know, and it, and it was really really you know it was a really cool movie, right? And you're getting a chance to see this sequel now, you know, and again it's going to have that nostalgia. It's going to have the you know give you all the feels from Rocky Four, but at the same time, you know, I, I I really wanted it to also be an original story, and it looks a little paint by numbers as uh, some yep. sequels do. You know, it looks a little paint by numbers. Um, What's the over under on a scene where Rocky talks to a tombstone? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, there's no... There's Either no Apollo or his no, wife. Well, he's definitely going to go visit Apollo, and he's definitely going to go visit uh, Adrian as well. Like, that's... Which I actually think is a cool Ooh, element. I think it's a cool element that they've added in when with Adrian dying and, and uh, Rocky going and, and visiting her grave just to 
you know. Um, yeah, no, 100%. To get his balance, because in every single Rocky movie, she was the balance, right? She exactly. was, like, the driving force, right? She was his reason to succeed, right? My favorite scene in any of the Rocky movies was right before the montage in Rocky II when, when Adrian wakes up from being in the coma, and she goes, uh, she goes, you can do something for me. And he goes, what's that? And she goes, Win. Win. And then it pans to Burgess Meredith, and he's like, what are we waiting for? <laughs> right? And then it kicks into the montage, and it's like, oh, my God, right? It's like one of the coolest scenes. Like, Did, did Rocky IV invent the training uh, Rocky, montage? Uh, Rocky, no, because it was in Rocky. Karate Kid. R- Rocky one was in the training montage, too. Yeah, but but it wasn't as but it, like the the, the training montage as we really know. But that was more of a running. I guess you're right. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So so Rocky invented it. Rocky Four perfected the training montage. <laughs> yeah, Rocky Four was the most '80s uh, training montage. Uh, Rocky Two, when uh, you know Adrian, uh, you know, uh, tells Rocky that he she wants him to win. You know, that's that. In my opinion, is is one of the best training montages that they oh, did yeah. out of the entire series of movies. So what's so what's worse? What do you, our listeners, what do you prefer to see? Do you prefer to see a sequel or a prequel? I think it depends on the franchise. Or a remake. Or a remake, or a re- reboot, if you yeah, will. Yeah, a reboot. Um, I don't even know what camp that I'm in. I honestly think it depends on the on the, on the the franchise we're talking about. Because, like, you know, Star Wars is a perfect example. I did not need any of the Star Wars prequels. I did not. I did not need to know about what the Clone Wars were. I did not need to know... Um, you know, I think I mentioned this last week. I did not need to know what the Kessel Run was. I just needed to know, you know. I certainly didn't need to know about fucking Metichlorians. Exactly. Exactly. But then on the other hand, and, there uh, are sequels where it's like. And Qui-Gon Jinn, the worst Jedi ever. Every single time he uses his Jedi powers, they don't work. Uh, oh my god, yes. Uh, credits will do fine. No, they, they won't. won't. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? You want some kind of Jedi? <laughs> so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Uh, what was that guy's name? Waku? Uh, Watto. Watto, yeah. Chut, chut, Watto. Oh, man. So, no, the reason I asked the question is because a lot of the news that came out in the last couple weeks was all prequel news, sequel news, this, that, and the other thing. And the prequel news that, that just got me was there's uh, <laughs> I can't even say yeah, it yeah, this, hey, how do you even do that fucking, they're making a fucking Willy Wonka prequel the Willy Wonka Gene Wilder fucking the candy man in the factory with the Oompa Loompas they're making a there's, prequel to that so is it is it gonna be like is it gonna be like Willy Wonka as a kid no, it's going to be some real fucking Nazi shit where he goes and enslaves a whole race of Oompa Loompas to work in his fucking candy yeah, factory. Man, I don't like, what that. are they going to cool. do with this That's movie? Not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> like, I don't uh, understand where they're... We don't need this. No. I don't need to know how Willy Wonka sense. became Willy Wonka. No, I don't. And I don't care. Again. I don't care. You know, there was a scene in a Family Guy episode, and, and the actual episode is escaping me right now, but... Um, there's a scene where a writer is talking to Stephen King and they're asking him about the next book that he's going to write. And Stephen King looks around on the desk and he goes, it's, uh, it's about a lamp monster. (laughs) And then the guy goes, the guy goes, you're not even trying anymore. And he's like, 
when can we have yeah, it? When can we, when have, can we it? have it? <laughs> like that's like, oh guys, I got it. Genius. Let's do, let's do a Willy Wonka prequel, okay? So it's so bad. Such a bad idea. You're so 100 percent correct about that. Oh my god. It's just like any. <sighs> when can we have it? It doesn't make any sense. Like, what is it? Nope. Is it is it going to be like? Is this does this chocolate taste better? I don't think so. I think it's just the the whole mystique and mysticism of Willy Wonka's. That's what makes him cool. I don't need to know how he became Willy Wonka. Unless they was turn, he a fat kid? Like, unless they I, turn it into a horror movie where the secret to Willy Wonka's candy tasting so good is the ground up dead children that he's adding into his chocolate and his candy. Some soylent green. <laughs> yeah. Unless, no, the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. Oh, nerds. Oh, hot take. Nerds are just ground up crystallized Oompa Loompas. Wow. Whoa. That's a hot take. Whoa. That's why there's so <laughs> But yeah, like, like, like you, you get what we're saying, right? Like, where can they fucking go it from here? Because it's either going to be – because again, like one of the things that's great about the Willy Wonka movie is that if, if that movie had been – if the original Willy Wonka was never made and if that movie had been made – in, well, I guess it kind of was made in modern times, but it's more of a remake. My point is that what makes the Willy Wonka movie great, as with many movies that came out around that time, is that it was clearly marketed towards kids, but wasn't really a yeah. kids movie. Yeah. There were so many movies like that at the time, like Ghostbusters, for example. Right, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was marketed towards kids, but there's also a scene where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. Like, right. so not. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and that was enough where you may not have totally realized what was going on. Like when I watched it as a kid, I didn't get that scene. Exactly. Right. I didn't get it until I was an adult. Exactly. So my point is that nowadays when movies like that are made, they're very black and white. They are either one hundred percent for kids or one hundred percent for fucked up individuals like me and Anthony. Yeah. So so are they going to make this movie? You know, a, a gritty take on how Willy Wonka rose to power by like you know killing his competition at the Twix factory and enslaving the Oompa Loompas? Or is it going to be a fucking Pixar-ish cartoony movie with, like, fat Oompa Loompas that are going to become the new minions? Yeah, I, it would, I mean, it could be cool. I mean, I don't know. I just don't... Shut uh, up. It could I, be cool. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> no. I hate you. I mean, you know, who knows? I just I just don't... Uh, I, I don't see it as being any good. But um, on that same thing, right? So, talking about original movies, right? And, and remakes and sequels and everything else, right? So, we got a chance to watch the third trailer for glass that is coming out now glass is a way that you can take a tried and true concept you can make it a sequel but still have an unbelievably original story and i think that it is just so cool i think that that the the concept behind it i i think that with split i think split was amazing um and i think that the way that they tied it into unbreakable with just that very subtle thing at the end where it ties into unbreakable i think that it's i think it's just really awesome really looking forward to seeing this movie and i love that it is a superhero movie that is not dc and it's not Marvel and it is it is a independent superhero movie which in the 90s that was most of the superhero movies we got whether it was and yeah, yeah granted yeah. they were 
garbage, but Tank Girl and Barbed Wire and Spawn, you know, you had these, you know, more independent comic books that were not DC, they were not Marvel, and they were getting, the, they were the ones that were getting movies yeah. made out of them. And the Glass trailer is particularly surprising. Well, Split was surprising because I hadn't watched it, and I swore off M. Night Shyamalan movies because they were really bad for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. But somebody, I, I, I couldn't get away from everybody telling me, go see Split, go see Split, and I saw it begrudgingly, so... And yeah, it was really fucking good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an incredible thriller. It's got some great twists and turns. It's got you know great like, acting, great characters. I would it's like just, to know if the uh, whole twist phenomenal. at the end, where he goes and you, he sees Bruce Willis's character from uh, uh, Unbreakable, and they tie it into that universe. I wonder if that was intentional or if yeah. that was an afterthought from Shyamalan. I really wonder about that. Yeah, you know, I I because smart. Agree. If it was intentional, take a take advantage of that. Right. You know, Right. Either way, it's a smart movie. I I think it's – and and just, man, it's – you know, it's that one line of dialogue that just saves the entire movie, right? Or not even saves because Split was amazing but just makes it even that much better. Yeah. It's just just having this one 30-second scene at the end of the movie and then, uh, you know, with Bruce Willis there and and playing his character from Unbreakable, right? Which in my opinion was really the last M. Night Shyamalan movie that I liked – before seeing Split. Now, okay, uh, whatever, the Shape of Water won the Academy Award, right, didn't it? Yeah. Shape of Water uh, for, like, Best Picture or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah, I never I, I never really... Was that a Shyamalan movie? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No. Isn't it? No. Go to the big board. I don't think so. I could be wrong about that. Um, but... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll fucking verify it, man. And uh, just that that also reminds me, you mentioned 90s comic book movies. Uh, we forgot to talk about the most important piece of news. And there's not really much to talk about. It's just the Oh, news. no, you're right. It was Guillermo del Toro. That's right. Suck a dick. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then Sean Will Wayne and then get the fuck out of here. Um, hey. Uh, I thought uh, that was. It seemed like his. I know he did Signs. Yeah, Signs. What, what was he? What, but didn't he, he do did one the, with the, the, the oh, Mist? And there was the something about a, a, a possessed elevator. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. And the village. And, and, yeah. Yeah, the knows. village was terrible. They were all terrible. They were yeah. so bad. Oh, it's, like, a, it's a mist that kills people. I thought Shyamalan did a mermaid movie as well no, no he did a one no he did do a one with he did a mermaid movie it was one with paul giamatti um the with bryce dallas howard she was some kind of fucking thing in the water lady in the water lady in the water that's that is right that what i'm thinking but check it out i think it's, I, I know it has paul giamatti and bryce dallas howard um i think it's lady in the water mm-hmm. i think that's what it's called because I saw it. You, you're right. And that Shyamalan did do some mermaid Yeah, movie. you're right. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So he did Lady in the Water. Right. And it was Guillermo fucking terrible. Guillermo del Toro did Shape of Water. Right. Which, was, which right. was very, very good. Right. Um, so, so yeah, anyway, real quick. The most important piece of news of the day, and, and this is like for those of you that don't you know follow along on the socials and don't catch these kind of uh, tidbits of information, the right. 1990s Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie is for the first time ever available oh to be God. viewed on YouTube in what? its entirety. What? Go go watch it and expect a review from us in the coming weeks. Oh, we're going to yeah. fucking watch the I'm out of that. I'm so excited to watch that. Uh, I actually watched it when I was a lot younger, when I was in high school. And LimeWire became a thing, and I actually downloaded it, and I burned it onto a CD. Uh, which was like the coolest, like all the rage back then. Cause I'm a lime. Yeah. Lime wire. <laughs> it's a lime you, you had to give your uh, you had to give your computer AIDS just oh, to be God. able to download a, a Metallica song. Um, no, but 
Yeah, I remember downloading it. I haven't watched it in about probably 12 or 15 years. Um, you know, and and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I and can't the wait. Fact, the fact that it's it's where is it being released right now? Is it on YouTube? Is that where? Uh, it is? I think it's YouTube. You can watch it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Roger Corman. Roger Corman. If you're oh, not a fan of the boy. genre, which I am a huge fan, uh, Roger Corman was one of the kings of schlock. It was just yep. he's one of the kings of like those just garbage, like really crappy B movies. And like, uh, like he did like Black Scorpion and like you know just oh, all these God. like really garbage <laughs> like like ex- almost like exploitation but just B yeah. movies and they're just great and I just love that schlock kind of take and uh, uh, that's the way that uh, Fantastic Four was. However, I will say this: in my opinion, Doctor Doom looked better in the Roger Corman movie. Than he ever looked in either of the other two Fantastic or other three. Well, he wasn't in the the newest or the remake. Right? No, but, he was. Oh, well, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was. was. That's villain. right, he was. He but was. he looked. But he. But he somehow he garbage. He some. He somehow. I don't even know how this is physically possible. He somehow looked worse and worse in the 2015 movie than he did in the first two movies. I don't know how that's possible. Man, that 2015 <laughs> movie was hard to get through. Like it was real hard. Like I hated when they turned Galactus into a giant cloud. I thought that was so stupid. Oh, that was so. And then dumb. they followed suit in Green Lantern with oh, with, uh, oh, with Parallax uh, Parallax yeah oh god just so far away from the character just so oh. but but see that but that's a, but that's nothing though even so just uh, comic book right even comic book accuracy does not mean good even if it's far away agreed. from the character agreed it, I wanted it was, to have it its own original story still stupid I, I, yeah, oh it was just so, so dumb bad. it was just so bad um so bad so uh okay so last week I uh, I made a prediction. Call it a hot take, if you will. <laughs> I swore up and down that the stupid holiday movie about the fucking Nutcracker, which I think looks like a pile of hot garbage, just to be so we're all clear on that point. I thought that that was going to uh, uh, take the weekend uh, box office. Apparently, it was incorrect. Well, apparently, apparently it didn't. Apparently, apparently, Bohemian Rhapsody is apparently the greatest movie, apparently, of all time. <laughs> Listen, fuck your no, couch. Uh, and- Bohemian Rhapsody uh, uh, getting, you know, so-so reviews. You know, some people liked it, some people didn't. Look, if you like to go see music movies, um, like uh, movies like Rockstar, or I can't wait to see you, it. you do, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I love biopics, and or biopics, or whatever you would pronounce it. Uh, however <laughs> it is, it is. So, okay, so uh, I, yeah, I got shit cool. on this before, because it is apparently pronounced biopic. I think biopic Bio-pic. makes you sound like an intellectual, so I have, I'm going to say <laughs> me I'm gonna intellectual biopic. <laughs> I'm going to say biopic, so like you know you can all go fuck yourself. Um, so so this week so this week we have an interesting matchup because this week the two um, so the, the, these are obviously not the only two movies coming out this week, but these are the only two that are going to matter in terms of box office take. It's Creed two and Ralph breaks the internet. So. We have two very different movies coming out on the same week. Both are sequels to previously released mega hit movies. One is for for children. One is not so much. So, well, it's yeah, Thanksgiving weekend, right? And you're 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 forgetting about uh, Fantastic Beasts. Well, no, Creed Two doesn't come out. No, Fantastic Fantastic Beasts is already out. 
Oh yeah, I can't yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so because we're uh, recording this late. Yeah, it's a different day. So <laughs> Fantastic Beasts already came out. So we're gonna skip this week. So it's up in yeah. the air between Ralph breaks the internet and Creed two. Now it's a Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving Day weekend. There's gonna be a lot of kids home, a lot of schools off. So I think it's a no brainer. I think Ralph breaks the internet takes the weekend. Yeah, I um. But is Creed two gonna like who who knows because no because there's kids no. kids back from college it's not just kids off of school for you know a lot of kids but it could be shitty weather Thanksgiving weekend what are they gonna do yeah so you're coming into the like, I think and that has a lot to do with it your release date you know um, coming into Thanksgiving weekend uh, parents are gonna be home and wanting to do something with the kids and you're gonna want to go Christmas shopping because that's the thing to do after Thanksgiving. And then when you need a break, you're going to go see Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. Or, or you know, you could take a hot take. You could take a hot take on Creed 2. Uh, I mean, it certainly isn't going to be Harry Potter. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I definitely don't think it's going to. Harry yeah. Potter is just – it's getting absolute garbage reviews. Yeah. It, did win, it did win this weekend just based on Harry Potter fans alone. There's no way it takes two weekends in a row. No, especially not, not with the, the way that it's getting reviewed. I mean right now it currently has a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right? Like, you know, Fantastic Beasts, the crime. Fucking Fantastic Grindelwald, Beasts. You know, that movie, that movie is what sunk me in my Rotten Tomatoes Fantasy League. Yeah, really. Like fucking, um, fucking. And you had you had some out beats. of the like the out of the blue real fucking Dude, winners this year. I had too. the number one sleeper hit of the entire year because I said that a quiet place was going to do well in Rotten Tomatoes, and everybody else in my league said I was out of my fucking mind. Ninety-seven percent, bitches. Yeah, I was the if, fucking if guy if to you beat. You like horror movies? I mean, and so people talk about like how many sequels are getting made, you know, how many remakes, and all this yep. bullshit. Uh, a quiet place was an awesome awesome yeah. way to do an original story to make it absolutely incredible it's high concept horror and, yeah high concept horror i absolutely love it you know like get out yeah, yeah. exactly and so so back to my rotten tomato situation um, this is yeah funny. so i'm gonna go this with, is heartbreaking i'm gonna go with creed too i'm gonna no, say i don't care my, about your opinion i'm talking about rotten tomato score right now whatever fucking heartbreaking because i had this other guy <laughs> that i was competing with who we the top two in the league and this motherfucker picked mission impossible six and i knew that movie was going to do well that fucking movie got a 96. Fuck you, Tom Cruise, and your stupid short ass that has to run in every movie in your goddamn Mission Impossible franchise. Between Fantastic Beasts shitting the bed and Mission Impossible 6 getting a 96. All I needed Fantastic Beasts to do was to stay in the top place was get, like, a 65. They couldn't even do that. No, it's true. But, like, Red you know, taking a look at Tom Cruise right now, who is, uh, aside from The Rock, aside from Dwayne Johnson... Who else is a bankable action star that you could do a big time, big budget movie based around, right? And and the the Mission Impossible franchise is becoming like James Bond. It's it's a really good. But like, look, you fuck can't, you. I'm so mad about this. No other, but that's a thing, man. There are no other yeah, action, no stars action stars that are out there. They're all like in superhero movies. Dwayne Johnson, who is the only action star who has not yet been in a superhero movie. Please, please play Black Adam. Please play Black Adam. I want you to. You'd be awesome as Black Adam. Please do it. <laughs> I want I want Black Adam. I want The Rock as Black Adam. And he needs to be just benevolent and quiet where it's just the opposite of like what The Rock does. I think it could be diversity for his acting. I think it could really be a very different character for him to play. It's not funny. It's not quippy. It's not, it's not the typical Rock. It would be very benevolent, very, very authoritative, right? And, and very regal, right? Because that's the thing. 
Literally, in the comic books, Black Adam doesn't walk. He floats because he believes that he should be above everyone else. And that is the way that The Rock, I think he could do a really awesome job. And it would be very different from all of the other characters that he's he's played. And I think it could be, I think, you know, I think it could be. So awesome. let me, let me just, let's just, uh, let's just villains, leave. Villains make the story. Let's just leave villains the, make the story. let's just leave the listeners with this little factoid. <laughs> the, uh, the last time that The Rock played a king and or regal figure was the Scorpion King. Well, that we'll was see you next rise time. to King. <laughs>